0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. the best in the world once again has the gold to back up that claim rick ucchino sp3 here for our monday live edition of the believe in pro wrestling podcast wall to wall a e dub on the heels of an incredible double or nothing pay-per-view might have been a little too long probably could have pulled a couple of matches off of that card last night i think a lot of people I'm not one of them. I think a lot of people are benefiting off of today being Memorial Day. Hope you guys are enjoying your Memorial Day holiday. Thank you for making us part of your day here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, but, uh, man, there, there is a lot uh, to dive into. CM Punk, as I alluded to at the top of the show, is the new AEW world champion. His first world title in over nine years. Where the hell to even start with the MJF saga that unfolded over the weekend? It's like, I went to bed early on Saturday, I slept in on Sunday, I woke up to Twitter, and you thought the world exploded uh, based off of what had happened surrounding MJF this weekend. We'll dive into all of that. It just wouldn't be an AEW pay-per-view if we didn't get a debut or two or three. Uh, And that is exactly what we got. We'll dive into all of those. Boy, the internet is mad that Dr. Britt Baker won the Owen Hart Women's Championship. Some questionable booking decisions last night. And again, we'll talk about the rundown. So much to get into, plus your comments. We appreciate everybody joining us here today. Get them in there. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys as always. But SP3, holy Lord, you just finished up a two-hour podcast talking about this show. Now you get to talk about it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it beautiful? I don't have to break down every single match and segment, so that's the good part about being here with rick and i don't have to be the moderator and, <laughs> and and break down the matches and remember what i remember from each match as well so i love the the difference the juxtaposition so i hope a bunch of people joined us from true hill heat over here as me and rick always have fun talking wrestling
1: yeah and there there is a lot to to break down man and i'm sitting here and i'm trying to i'm trying to carve out the rundown for this and i'm like okay ha- how do how do we squeeze what was effectively a five-and-a-half-hour broadcast down into this 45-minute podcast, right? And I'm like, well, we can chuck that, we can chuck this, we can chuck that. But there's so much that we have to dive into, which is why we like to paint with broad strokes. We can pretty much bring up anything we want willy-nilly across this program. Shall we call it anarchy? You want to talk about anor- the production crew, all right? I saw you on the True Heel Heat asking who the MVP of the night was. The damn production crew was the MVP of the night last night. Barely, there was so much going on in that state, in that anarchy in the arena match last night. So many great visuals. They were on the ball with replays and catching everything and camera cuts. I mean, you want to talk about quick camera cuts without getting the sense that, without getting that motion sickness that we're used to on certain other broadcasts, you know what I'm saying? That production crew tip your hat on stadium uh, or i keep wanting to call it stadium stampede uh anarchy uh in the arena that match didn't even make the rundown here honestly uh it might later on depending on a few answers but that that was absolute total chaos uh last night or anarchy whatever the hell you want to call it but it was i don't know what it was but it was fun
0: that was just so much fun that's the most fun i had watching a professional wrestling match since the first stadium stampede uh yeah and I, I, one of the greatest visuals I've seen in professional wrestling where I literally had to put my hands over my mouth because I was going to wake up my, my wife and kids <laughs> here in the UK at like four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning when Eddie Zombie Kingston came down to the ring with a canister of gasoline.
1: Yeah, and that's how serious this was, man. In this economy, Eddie Kingston's rolling down there with a three-gallon jug, ready to just throw gold away on the ground. And effectively, he did. Like, if you're spending that kind of cash on three gallons of gas, you better light somebody's ass on fire. Uh, We got so much to get into. First things first, got to thank our partners over at Online. The continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information for all the latest odds, news, sports developments on the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It is really easy to get started. Head on over to the website. Use your mobile device. Sign up today. Use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus. That is B-L-E-A-V. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, where the game starts. And SP3, we will start with the man of the night, the man of the day. CM Punk defeats Hangman Adam Page to capture the AEW World Championship. (sighs) This match, a lot of hype around this. I've gone on the record saying that this was the most excited I was for an AEW World Championship match. That, that's a lot to live up to, right? The expectations of that and the fact that it went on after midnight where I'm sitting here dragging ass uh, back home and Tony Khan can drop as many F-bombs as he wants in the media scrum to defend his decisions. Uh, I mean, for some of us, that went just a wee bit too long. Those two late additions, those two late additions because he was going up against Game 7 uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals. That would that had, would have had no bearing whatsoever on this main event. And I don't know how many additional ad buys it got him anyway. Um, he can talk about additional revenue and all he want. I don't know how that mixed trios match and the and Darby and uh, Kyle O'Reilly, which ate up like, what, five minutes? Like, I don't know. That was a 10 minute match.
0: Was it? It just was so good. It felt like five minutes. They were going 150 miles an hour. There was multiple matches on this card that really didn't need to be there. The TBS Championship match probably would have been better off on TV. Darby and and Kyler Rally would have been better off on TV. The mixed trials match would have been a perfect main event for Rampage. But this match, the main event, that definitely delivered. I love the moment. The story they've told with CM Punk coming back to professional wrestling, refinding his love for the business, and the story that they told with Hangman Adam Page, who had this a crisis of confidence that it took him three year, three year journey to win the AEW World Championship. He got his confidence, uh, you know, was able to beat Kenny Omega at Full Gear. Had a setback with Brian Danielson, but then able to defeat him, able to defeat Lance Archer, Dante Martin, the. Adam Cole in the main event of Revolution even had enough confidence to challenge Cole to the rematch in the Texas Deathmatch to get your affairs in order and beat him in that matchup with a crown of thorns. And then CM Punk and his popularity and the, the world win that it took for him to become the number one contender brought it back out those insecurities and those insecurities led hangman to almost going the route of kenny omega the man he was always against and using the aew world championship i thought it was great storytelling throughout that matchup and a great way to close out the pay-per-view despite what i said about the matches kind of in the middle the final four matches of this show were banger after banger after banger in different ways you had the technical clinic that was thunder roses Serena deep you had the insanity that was anarchy in the arena you had a non-stop uh non-stop action in the three-way tag match and then this one was like a main event war of contrition and i'm glad cm punk is our new champion
1: yeah there and and that's the question right it's like we knew we knew Punk was going to get this shot eventually, and it has been an incredible story. And they did this in such the right way because it would have been very, very easy and very lazy to to bring CM Punk in and go off of his namesake alone and say, boom, here he is. It's CM Punk. He's going to take over and we're immediately going to thrust him into the title shot. And that's that's not what they did at all. They were like, no, this guy's been this guy's been out for. For seven years can he even still go who the hell knows so let's let's slow burn this let's let's build up his confidence we'll we'll get him against some of these young guys see how fast he can still go if he can still hang and he's going to earn his way into the title shot And we're going to tell some damn good stories along the way and they did that uh and eventually yes it got to this shot and it was whether or not they were going to pull the trigger and that was that was the call do you keep going with this hangman adam page title run which i think a lot of people uh, for a lot of people, it did not live up to their expectations, not by any doing of Hangman Adam Page's fault. I think he did everything that he possibly could uh, with what he was 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 allowed to make that title run feel special. It's just, you know, it, it, they kind of gave him that WWE CM Punk title run where it's like he was the world champion, but he was never the central figure or the central focus or the most important guy on the show. For much of this time, CM Punk has felt like the most important dude on this show. And AEW was like, well, let's put the belt on the most important dude. And that's where they're going to go with this. And yeah, I mean, the match, the, the match wasn't perfect. And I wouldn't say that it lived up to my expectations because I had such high expectations for it, but I still loved it because part of that, that storytelling was can punk keep up with the younger generation, with the younger talent. And there were a lot of spots last night where, where he could not. And it, you, you saw a case in point when he tried to do the buckshot lariat, not once, but twice, and landed on his ass both times. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, man, this is like, this is like trying to watch somebody at the last stand, like the, the old broken-down cowboy trying to do one last stand at the OK Corral or something like that, where he's just trying to, to survive, basically, and see if he can pull this out. Like Rocky Balboa, Rocky Six, right? Old Rocky. That's what we got last night. We got old Rocky, and he was able to pull off the upset over the young guy, mostly because of the confliction within Hangman Adam Page himself. Punk didn't win that match. Hangman Adam Page lost it, and I think that's the storyline. And yes, as Bam brought up here, that's the next big question, is what is next for Hangman Adam Page? Because I think there is still plenty to build off of that one spot where he felt like he had to go to that dark place to beat CM Punk, this guy that he was clearly better than, and he didn't go there. There is definitely, and it cost him, though, but it still cost him, and I think there's definitely room to build off of that.
0: Hangman Adam Page had arguably, I would say, no, I wouldn't even say arguably, he had the best in-ring world championship run that I've seen in nearly a decade. like like it's i would say it's him and kazuka okada so in north america it's been quite some time since we've seen a guy deliver four-star match great classic battles inside the square circle as the champion and hangman adam page just kept delivering and last night He felt like he was the one leading that matchup. He felt like he was the best wrestler in the world who was guiding the former best wrestler in the world to another great match in the main event of a pay-per-view. And I'm happy for CM Punk though, because he has felt like the most important guy and the biggest star in this company. So putting the title on him, it's it's a case of, with Hangman at times, it felt like the title was making the champion. And here with Punk, He's the guy that can make the title. He the guy makes the title and he's gonna elevate the AEW world championship.
1: The question I have is for how long? And this is something that, that we discussed, you know, when you look at the the line of champions and and all of the potential challengers that 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 you have and guys who could be AEW world champion down the line, it's like, and this might be part of the problem when when hangman first won the belt. Hangman finally wins the belt. That's a culmination of a two-year story. What were we talking about, like, the next day? Okay, so who beats Hangman for it? Okay, who's up next after Hangman? People were already, and I got to credit Phil Lindsey because I think he nailed this on Twitter from the Grapp City podcast. People were already ready to crown the next AEW world champion, like, the day after Hangman won it. Because people are so damn impatient because it's like, oh, I know we've been building this and I really want this and this is going to be great. Oh, but man, look at CM Punk. He's in the company now. When, when can we get to this? Like, daddy, give me this now. I want this now. Forget this other thing that I've been waiting two years for. I want the new shiny toy. And I think that's where people got off on. And that's where people kind of like started to to loll on this Hangman Adam Page thing. And it's like, oh, well, his title run's not that good. And his title run was fantastic especially bell to bell in ring hangman adam page did everything that he could to make that title run special banger after banger after banger the in ring was great he can't help his presentation on the show and unfortunately he fell victim to cm punk in that regard and now the belt is on punk my question is how long is he going to hold it because we're going to do the same thing here that we did with hangman adam page is who's next and for the longest time we talked about it would make a ton of sense for CM Punk to be a transitional champion. He is one of those older champions. Uh, Hangman Adam Page had the second shortest title run in the entire company next to Chris Jericho. I always felt that Chris Jericho's title run was perfect, just long enough to really establish uh, the company as legit. And then he dropped it to John Moxley, who carried it throughout a majority of the pandemic. Um, but now you got CM Punk. He's an older CM Punk. He can't go as well as he once could. And that story was very evidently told. Uh, throughout his entire buildup to this win and in that match last night, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes with MJF, which we'll get to. We always tabbed him as the next guy, and like almost immediately, so now it's like, how long do we think Punk is going to have the AEW World Championship? And if it ain't going to be for long, who is next in line?
0: Um, I I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that this time. Like I like the fact that it's been unpredictable. Like I said. Uh, a few months back when I was doing the Wrestling Daily Show with Alex McCarthy, I said when um, when Kenny Omega was still the champion, I said that we knew Hangman Adam Page was going to beat Kenny. And I said the next round of champions in the order I thought it would be would be MJF, CM Punk. Darby Allen I had people telling me back then oh CM Punk doesn't need the title I was like you need to complete this story I knew AEW knew that that was the story that CM Punk fans wanted to hear and a majority of wrestling fans wanted to see here but I thought he would beat m j f for the title now they've all reversed the order, which makes it unpredictable, especially with what's going on with mjf and you know Darby Allen hasn't been pushed like a top star like he was a a year ago, so there is so many things that can go, so I'd rather not even think about that because there's a hundred and one options, and none of them are in the wrong if you think that should be the guy
1: there is one thing that is making me think that even though I think the proper story would be to have you know CM Punk try to go out there and be that young fighting champion that he once was and have it bite him in the butt and him lose it quicker than maybe he would he would have liked um there's one thing that's making me think that he's going to have it for quite some time and that's Tony Khan's uh post scrum comments last night after the pay-per-view i'll tell you what get you a boss who will defend you and hold you up and praise you like Tony Khan did and his myriad of F-bombs toward those Eric Bischoff comments at last night's media scrum. I mean, CM Punk looked like a, a, a high schooler who had just won valedictorian and his dad was was like just talking about him to every parent out there in the parking lot after it was done. I mean, he just looked like he, he was glowing last night as Tony Khan was just he, ripping. I Earth don't Bischoff even think he looked.
0: I don't even think he looked like that. He looked like his girlfriend. Like, <laughs> that, like, you know, his uh, the boyfriend just stood up for them in the middle of like a class and stuff. Like, that was just like, oh man, I was like, this is why they do the post show scrum because that question, that question wanted that reaction. Like, I know everybody wants to Absolutely. go about go about. Oh, Tony Khan. Oh my God, it's so cringe. Oh my God, he looks like he's on coke. All of that can be true. But <laughs> but the person asking the question, they literally wanted that reaction, and Tony gave him what he wanted,
1: dude. And that's the reaction that we all want. Have you guys ever, outside of like occasionally, like you'll get like a Chad Ochocinco, right? Have you listened to regular sports press conferences? They are boring as fuck. They aren't. Oh yeah, you know we gotta take it just a game at a time and. Yeah, I thought my my slider was working really well today. Fuck that. I mean, that is some boring ass shit. It's the same stuff every night. Insert nameplate over player. It is garbage most of the time. Unless you're getting Tommy Fam and Jock Peterson literally fighting in a pregame show over their fantasy football team. You don't get stuff like this. All right. And this is what we want. This, to quote John Oliver, is why wrestling is better than the things that you like. And this is why we are here covering it this is why we are so happy that you guys are here and queen and bam and uh, everybody santo who are in the chat right now We appreciate you guys get your comments in retweet out the link share that we're on right now because we got so much that we got to break into uh, pound the subscribe button pound the thumbs up button check out my conversation with ricky starks by the way i know he didn't win the tag team titles last night maybe he should have we'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit uh but some really really good stuff in there so check that out here on the uh, believe in pro wrestling youtube channel may have some more stuff coming down this week waiting on some emails right now so you know there is you know like another pay-per-view this sunday that i'm sure will live up to this one right sp3 sure this this pay-per-view pretty mean, new live if, event.
0: if you combine the fact that we're gonna get nxt in your house on saturday and hell in a cell on sunday i mean combined it will be half as long as double or nothing <laughs> i don't know if it will have as many matches though oh i Hope not, because there's a lot
1: of other matches that happened on that card last night. So let's dive into those, shall we? It's time to answer the five counts on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, after the main event ended on the buy-in with Hookhausen raising their hands high, right? Uh, All eyes were towards the start of the show. And let's be honest, all eyes were on the start of the show for pretty much a majority of the weekend. Number one here on the five count, where the hell to even start with MJF who no-showed a fan event, all right, it was a fan meet and greet, he no-showed that, then reports come out that he had actually booked a flight out of Las Vegas ahead of the meet and greet, did not show up for that flight, Out literally like a couple of hours before the event, had not been seen at the arena at Double or Nothing. And everybody's sitting here going, is this match going to happen? What the hell is going on? Is this a work? Is it a shoot? Are we working ourselves into a shoot? You got all the the media insiders, Sean Ross, doing good work as always, trying to follow up, talking to talent who's been told uh, not to address the situation. Tony Khan would not address the situation. Tony Khan said a lot of things last night. One thing he would not talk about was MJF. And then, my gosh, man, it was insane. We're sitting here going, is this match actually going to happen? There was a time on Sunday where AEW pulled their their, their preview video from their YouTube channel and then put it back on a couple of hours before the show started. The show kicks off. MJS music hits. He makes us wait like what felt like two damn minutes before he finally walked out there because he knew what the hell he was doing. He gets in the ring, he starts doing the whole jet plane thing, he is milking, there's a chorus of booze. you got people chanting, he showed up, and F-U-M-J-F, and he was soaking it in, it was a hot way to start the show, and then not only did M-J-F decide to show up for work, M-J-F did the damn job last night, because he effectively got squashed, by wardlow i mean wardlow powerbombed that man through the ring 10 damn times and beat him with ease to finally get his graphic and finally earn his aew contract last night and then mjf was stretchered out (laughs) with a neck brace on and the oxygen
0: mask covering his eyes for some reason (laughs) There is so much the fun. oxygen mass was basically doing the Ricky Starks pose. <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, has anybody seen Bull Durham? I know, like, the like, I know Nuke Lelouch like breathed through his eyelids, but I don't think that's actually a literal thing. Um so, so much to unpack there. Uh, but Sean Rossap reported again uh after all this was over, uh, that MJF immediately left the arena after the match was over. So at least he showed up, he did his job, and he went home. And we probably should not expect to see him on AEW television for at least a little bit. uh, uh, SB3, there is a lot to unpack here, but I think the most important part is, end of the day, he showed up for work. He he, he culminated and helped put over Wardlow in a major way that ended that two-year storyline that deserved to have an ending. At least he did that. Now let's see what happens.
0: One hundred percent agree with everything you just had to say there. Like, uh, it's a lot to unpack. It's a, a he. But he would he became the most interesting thing about All Out Week. I mean, about Double or Nothing Weekend. No show in the event. The plane ride. Booking the flight. Is the flight real? Is he getting on the flight? I've never seen so much about someone getting on a flight since the season finale of Friends, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, that was it was very interesting, but I appreciate him being a professional, doing the right thing for Warlow. Yes. Warlow got to have his moment. I thought that the matchup was perfectly placed by being the opener of the card because it would have been this lingering cloud above yeah. all the matches before it. So it was the right move to have that open the show, and it was perfectly done. It was exactly what it should have. Been. It was war. It was him trying to avoid everything, uh, trying to be the snake and you know cheat to win, faking the injury, the dead diamond diamond ring. Um, I'm not getting worked though by all of this. I think that he, there is some shoot and some real to this. That he is frustrated with his contract, but I'm not trying to get sucked into the work. And I can take Tony Khan's no comment on anything MJF any way I want it could be a real life situation yep. and he's not going to make a comment comment on because he's the owner and he has to, he has to talk to MJ.
1: Uh-oh. We got a free, we got a free situation. SP 3 has frozen. We'll try to get him back here, but uh, we can just enjoy his, uh, his pretty face uh, for the time being. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think there is, right i think there is some shoot to this i think there is a little bit uh of work into this and that's one of the things when when it comes to mjf is he is constantly working he is one of the best uh in the world at at working and not letting you know whether what what his true uh what his true feelings are and that's what makes him so good and all of a sudden like you could talk about whether or not this was real whether or not this was fake it was easily the best storyline of the entire weekend. I mean, it had everybody on their phones. It had everybody talking. It had everybody up in a tizzy on social media. Is this fake? Is this real? People are calling out insiders. People are calling to see if there's flights booked in Newark, New Jersey. It was absolutely insane. And until that man showed up on the stage, it just didn't know you just didn't know if he was going to be there and it was crazy but again i think the most important thing the most important thing was that he showed up and did the job last night as sp3 is back and will allow him to continue his uh his ramblings here on <laughs> on, on on you you aren't going to get worked into a shoot that's where we lost you
0: oh yeah i'm not going to get worked into a shoot because i think it was something that's real that they may be playing into now the the fact that they did the whole write off for him, it makes me very interested to see what's next and when's the next time we see AEW on. I mean, we see MJF on AEW television. I don't know why my Wi Fi doesn't like believe in pro wrestling, but I love all of you.
1: <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like, and 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 Sean Ross up again from Fightful.com us uh, reported that MJF actually did sign an extension not too long ago right through January 1st of 2023. So he's got 17 months, excuse me, 19 months left on his contract. And he's not going to sign an extension unless it's like huge top, probably like CM Punk level dollars. All right. So this is going to be something that is going to be going on. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how the real life issues, how inflated they may be on television to drive the storyline and to drive the narrative and to build intrigue in the show. I don't know what can be done to fix those real life issues. If AEW is interested in going to the negotiating table for another contract extension and MJF doesn't want to hear it unless there's a dollar figure there, I don't know what they do because I don't think MJF is going to sit out for, for 18, 19 months, but I don't think Tony Khan's going to release him either. I mean, unless he unless MJF just literally held Tony Khan hostage and said, hey, you want me to do this match? You better release me from my contract afterwards. I don't know. But I do think MJF, if, if what we've heard is legitimate, I think he's regretting signing that extension at this point. Uh, I think uh, he's regretting that. He wishes that his contract was up sooner. But we'll see. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does sit out the majority of it. Like I said, this became the number one most interesting storyline of the entire weekend. Not putting Wardlow over was whether or not MJF was going to be there. And now it's going to be interesting to see if and when he does come back uh, to television. Have no fear, though, with MJF exiting stage left. We turn over to stage, right? And here comes like three more people into the AEW roster, uh, including, uh, Stokely Hathaway, AKA Malcolm Bivens, who came back, uh, and I know SB three was thrilled last night to see him standing next to Jade Cargill and the rest of the baddies that just made too much damn sense not to happen, right? Malcolm Bivens, excuse me. Stokely Hathaway's non-compete ended on Saturday. He was there on Sunday, ready to go. TK said they got lucky. This was clearly something that they wanted to do for a really long time, so he's in there. Not only does he debut in that segment, but here comes Athena to back up Anna Jay and and Chris Statlander, and they're all squaring down with the baddies, and I'm losing my mind because this is the signing that I have been highly anticipating uh, for a long time, another big boost to the women's division, and then, as if that wasn't enough, Andrade introduces his new business partner and they introduce Rush to AEW. So, I mean, they just adding more and more talent. I believe we are up to 16 signees in 2022 alone between talent and managers. So, yeah, you better believe some AEW contracts are coming up and they ain't going to be resigning some people soon because this roster is ridiculously, ridiculously stacked. Uh, but I will ask this number two here on the five count SB three, which of the new additions to the AEW roster is going to have the biggest impact. Do you believe
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Athena, Athena, uh, Athena, long-term. Because I feel like she is so talented and AEW is just going to allow her to be her. It really all depends on Tony Khan putting a a bigger focus on the women's division and making more of an effort to make these women stand out. So I'm going to be hopeful, go out on a limb and say, Athena. But if I'm being more realistic, it's Stokely-Hathaway. Honestly, all of these all of these signings can make a big impact, but Stokely-Hathaway with Jay Cargill and, and the baddies, that just made the whole sense of the world. I literally said it on the day he got released that that is what he should be used for. Don't use smart Mark Sterling. Stokely-Hathaway is the better fifth. So I enjoyed that one. In the short term, though, I think Roosh is going to make a big impact at Forbidden Door. Because you got the Ingonable, the original Ingonable members back together with Andrade and Roosh. You got New Japan Pro Wrestling coming in for Forbidden Door, and you got Los Ingonables de Hapon, the biggest stable in New Japan Pro Wrestling, possibly coming over to Chicago in a month. Tensuyo Naito, the whole gener the whole kind of transformation that Tensuyo Naito went from a baby face that was unsuccessful. He visits visits Mexico. He he learns how to be tranquilo from Andrade and Roosh. You got a perfect setup for a big-time tag team match, whether it's Naito and Hiromu, Naito and Sonata, Naito and whoever from LIJ versus Roosh and Andrade. I think that's a huge match that needs to be signed immediately for Forbidden Door. And that's why I think initially
1: my answer would be Roosh, right? I think initially that's the one because if you look at the women's division as excited I as as I am for Athena I think it would be it would be very difficult for me to say that she's going to come in and she's going to start owning the women's division because that's not typically how AEW operates we just talked about for 20 minutes at the start of the show how this was a nine-month culmination for CM Punk to come in and win a world championship so I'm not expecting Athena to come in and and light the world on fire, and immediately come in and like dethrone Jade Cargill or beat Thunder Rosa. I think she's going to feud uh, with Jade Cargill to start up the show, and I think she could dethrone Jade, but I don't know if now's the the right time uh, to do that. But maybe they do go that route. I think in the long term, though, it's it's going to be Athena. It's it's going to be Athena. She is the 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 one big free agent out there that I was begging AEW to sign and do exactly what they have done with so many other talents. And you said it. Let them be themselves for the love of God. I'm watching this pay-per-view last night and I'm sitting here. I can't tell you how many times and I've said this line before. I can't tell you how many times this thought popped into my head is like, how did WWE fuck it up with this person? How did WWE fuck it up with Keith Lee? How did WWE fuck it up with Swerve Strickland? Like, it just kept running through my mind throughout the entire damn night. I'm looking at Buddy Matthews. I'm looking at Malachi Black. I'm looking at all this talent that WWE had and just literally, oh on, just slid. Like, okay, we don't need you. See ya, see ya, bye. You know who really could use Athena right now? SmackDown Women's Division. I mean, they could desperately desperately use somebody like athena but aew can use her uh use her as well uh this is a big bolster to the women's division this is a future aew women's champion this is a future tbs champion whatever you want to call her she's so damn good wwe never knew what they had in athena they had this woman chasing after the damn 24-7 championship and she tore a freaking achilles doing so and almost uh ended her damn career uh doing it so, I mean, it's so damn dumb what they did with her. And then they didn't want to bring her back up. And you just listen to her uh, interview with Chris Van Bleet And it's like, Jesus Christ, my heart just you know aches for her. And I was so happy that she got the pop that she did last night. So happy that she's in AEW. I don't know what took him so damn long to sign her, whether she wanted to go out and do some indie stuff first or what. But she's here. I think long term, she's going to have a major impact. And she is going to be a multi-time uh, women's champion in uh, AEW. That said, there are, is still one or two really big fish at the top of the AEW women's division, and one of them is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who who lit the internet on fire simply by wrestling a match last night and winning said match. Again, remember, she's not the booker, uh, but it was Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker who both won the Owen Hart, the power couple winning, setting up that, that lovely tribute, that lovely championship, trophy and, and championship belt ceremony uh, at the end there with Owen's late wife and everything going on that was such a wonderful ceremony beautiful they gave her as much time as she wanted to talk and that right there to me having Adam Cole Dr. Baker up there together as a couple you know the family everything there that all made sense to me, and that is why the second that Adam Cole won that, I don't care that Ruby was coming down to who, who was it that who did, who did the song last night? Uh, which band was it? I can't remember. Rancid. Yeah, I don't care that Ruby had Rancid playing. Everybody's like, oh, Ruby, Ruby, Rancid's playing. Ruby's got to win this. I'm like, oh, shit, Ruby don't have to win this because she ain't going to be standing up there in a joint ceremony with Adam Cole. They're putting Dr. Britt Baker up there. So that's why when she won, I wasn't shocked. I was kind of shocked at the hate that Dr. Baker was getting for winning the Owen Hart. And maybe not Dr. Baker specifically. Some people were, which, shame on you. But there are a lot of people who are upset with that booking. I saw some people actually upset. I saw somebody tweet out last night. Here they go, putting Adam Cole over again. I'm like, what, what, what have you been watching for the last several months? like this dude's first big win in the company
0: that's the first time he's won on pay-per-view since his debut
1: i know i'm like people will just complain about any shocker right people will take to the internet complain about anything without actually looking up or having facts to back up their argument so i'll ask you sp3 did you have any issue with either adam cole or dr Britt baker winning the owen hart championships last night
0: Uh, I did with Britt Baker winning. I'm not going to hate on Britt Baker for winning the Owen Hart Cup tournament, but it didn't make sense with the story they told Ruby Soho, especially with the video package with her talking about like, she worked so hard to get to the big moment and then she comes up short and she's going to change that here. Yet she worked so hard to come to the big moment and she lost again it seemed like this would have been a great way to revitalize Ruby Soho by giving her the victory here. But once I saw that they weren't going to do the ceremony after Adam Cole's victory, I was like, Oh man, Brit's winning. Brit's winning. Cause they're not going to do the ceremony exactly. with, Cole, with Ruby standing up there with Cole. So I, I wasn't surprised by it, but I think it was the wrong decision.
1: Look, uh, and, and, you know, Queen chiming in, Britt shouldn't have won. The image of Cole and Brit together wasn't worth it enough for me not to give it to Ruby. And I understand if you feel that way. And I, I tweeted this out last night. I'm like, look, I understand what Tony Khan was going for by booking Britt Baker to win this last night. He wanted that image, right? He wanted, he wanted Dr. Baker and Adam Cole to, to share that embrace, to do the kiss on the stage, to be up there together as the power couple. And I actually think there's an interesting storyline that you could build off of that. Right. And if they do more with that and more of them together building off of their championship wins, then I would say in the end, this might be worth it. But did that? Did, did Britt Baker need that win last night? Hell no. Hell no. She did. No. Tony Storm needed that win. Ruby Soho needed that win. Jamie Hayter needed that win. There were a number of women in that tournament who needed that a heck of a lot more uh, than Dr. Britt Baker. I would have suggested bringing in Athena to beat as the Joker if she was going to sign anyway, bringing in Athena to beat brit baker in round one and kind of establish her as a major player moving forward and then you could have had athena and ruby soho last night um regardless i will say this i'm not i'm not ready to to bury ruby soho um you know i'm not ready to bury ruby soho like so many people were last night like th- i saw so many people who were sitting here saying like ruby soho is my like her time's over at aw like she might like she's been here for a year like let's let's look like, pump the brakes here i know she has not been booked like like dr Britt baker for an example i know she hasn't been booked that way but come on guys like she was she was and booked like a star last night those two had a fantastic matchup she just didn't win and it sucks that she didn't win and i think if this was like the second owen hart and adam colden i think it would have been a slam dunk that ruby Hart, ruby soho would have won this last night but you know It is what it is at the end of the day. I think Ruby's going to be just fine in AEW. She was booked like a star last night. You don't get rancid to come in for somebody you don't have plans for. That's just my thought on it. Number four here on the five count moving quickly, because I know we're short on time. Fill in the blanket. Maybe this was the, maybe we already answered this. The most questionable booking decision of the night last night was a lot of options here. In my opinion,
0: I think it was Baker. I mean, not necessarily. Not hard, right? Yeah, it's kind of that's a kind of a tough, a tough question. I would say, I would say it's the three extra matches. The three extra <laughs> matches was the most questionable booking decision because people paid fifty dollars for this pay per view. Why would they care that there's an NBA game seven, Tony Khan? Like, right. I understand you wanted more time for Martha to talk as long as she wanted to talk. Fine. We did not need at least three of the matches on this show. The mixed trios match, the TBS title match, Kyle Riley and Darby Allen. And Kyle Riley and Darby Allen was good, but only one out of those three was a good matchup. Everything else, not necessary.
1: Yeah, I think less would have been more in this situation. And you're absolutely right. If you want to look at it as a whole, I'll take that. Uh for me, it comes down to one of two decisions. And I think I'm going to lean. I think I'm gonna lean more toward anarchy in the arena because while the match was fantastic right it was a whole lot of fun and there were a lot of oh my god moments right i don't understand chris jericho and jake Hader or beating brian danielson to win that match like i don't know what was gained by any of that for
0: that. I, I do. I, I don't think that's a questionable decision at all. I think I rooted for the Puerto Rican Combat Club to win that matchup, but the Jericho Appreciation Society needed it more, especially if you're no, building to no, no. I'm, I'm, bloody. I'm, I'm
1: fine with Jericho Appreciation Society winning the match. I don't know why it was Jer- why it was Jericho and Hager. Beating Brian Danielson
0: to win they didn't beat him. They they choked him out. You got choked out by an MMA fighter, and he had a bad wheel because the MMA (laughs) fighter hit him with a bat in the leg. They protected Brian as hell in that finish. I understand that. I think, and it it was only because Eddie Kingston was so obsessed with getting revenge. They had the match won. They did Jericho. Yeah, the Jericho. I have no. Wait a minute. Are you saying? Are you saying they could not coexist last night? Is that? (laughs)
1: were saying that they could
0: not they couldn't but they set it up well to let us know it was they weren't going to coexist uh i would
1: have liked to have seen daniel garcia get a big win there uh just me personally other the other the other one i could think of would be the tag team title match i was a little surprised that jungle jurassic excuse me jurassic express uh won that matchup last night i think a lot of people were rooting for either you know team taz or swerve and lee to pick up the win and be holding the new championship belts i will say this much Damn it, Ricky Starks is too damn talented. That mother trucker dances better on the top rope than I do on flat ground. It is just not fair. I think this is setting up, though, for either the Hardys or Blackpool Combat Club to eventually take uh, the AEW tag team titles. And lastly, the thing that everybody was talking about last night, so you know, maybe we've already answered this, was the runtime a little too long. As 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 great as the show was, as hot as the crowd was into this last night, Five and a half hours. A little too long. Yes, I would say yes.
0: 100% yes. Like I said, you could have cut three matches out of the show, made a 13-batch card, uh, including the buy-in, into a 10-match card. And I think everybody would be coming out of this pay-per-view a lot nicer. It would have ended for me at 5 a.m. instead of nearly 6 a.m. And for everybody else, it would have ended at like midnight instead of near 1 a.m. Yeah. Yes, this pay-per-view was too long. I've never said this with many of the AEW pay-per-views that other people thought were too long because I'm like, you're paying $50 and it's only for a year. I understand it being near four hours. That's totally fine. But when it goes past four hours and nearly five, it's too long.
1: Yeah, um, I think Tony Khan was banking on a lot of people being off work today, but not everybody was off work today. When my alarm went off at 5 a.m. this morning, I wanted to die, even though I was working a half day. Uh, so, you know, it was, um, it was a bit difficult. And yeah, man, I, again, I, I, I go back to WrestleMania 35. I would, the most match I was excited for was that women's main event, and I could barely keep my damn eyes open as it was going on because it was 1 o'clock. I don't care how hyped you are for something. Having somebody sit there for five, six hours watching wrestling, that is a tough, tough ask, especially for today's audience, even the most hardcore audience uh, out there whatsoever. So, yes, I would have cut two or three matches off of this card, edited before midnight, and you would have been fine. I don't think anybody – here's the thing, man. We live in an age where you can have multiple screens on at the same time. So, anybody who wanted to watch AEW and Game 7 last night was watching both. They just were. They just were. Nobody was going to not buy your pay-per-view so they could watch Game Seven, and if if they were going to buy it and watch it anyway. So yeah, I don't I don't get the whole elongating the program uh, just so you could uh, make sure that you weren't having anything competing uh, with uh, uh, with your main event last night. It was just a strange thing. A lot of a lot more that we could have dive into here today. Uh, maybe we'll uh, dive more into that tomorrow, depending on what Raw gives us tonight. By the way, announcement: schedule change. Schedule change to make my life easier and SP 3s life a little easier. We're going to start going live on Tuesdays now. Uh, So we will be live recapping Monday Night Raw tomorrow around 2.15 p.m. So join us then. Will you? We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for everybody who was in the chat. Everybody who tuned in. Make sure to pound the thumbs up button. Make sure to pound the subscribe button. Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online.